Being on the front lines in the fight to educate the next generation is tough. The goal of this podcast is to provide you with important updates, encouragement, and connection. Welcome to the Institute Leaders Lifeline. Hi, and welcome to this episode of the Institute Leaders Lifeline. My name is Mike Sinclair. I'm Deputy Superintendent of School Support at the Charter Institute at Erskine, and I'll be your host today. We have a great guest today, Ms. Ansley Crow, and she's going to tell us a little bit about her experiences in virtual school. And she has a little twist. She actually, at 13, is in dual credit classes. So she'll tell us a little bit of that experience. So let's go ahead and get started. Ainsley, tell me a little bit about yourself. Where do you go to school? Kind of what's your family like? Just kind of give our listeners a perspective on what life as Ainsley Crow's like. So I just turned 14. I take dual enrollment classes with the Cyber Academy of South Carolina, and I take the scholar classes out of Greenville Technical College. They allowed me the opportunity, even at such a young age, to take these and learn. I have three siblings, and I live with my mother and my father. We live in Moore, South Carolina and we enjoy just spending time with one another and learning one another individually so we can improve one another and encourage in each individual opportunity. My sister is the special education side of learning. My brother is a typical student and my sister, my youngest, is like myself in the gifted side. And we have a fun routine. We have just, it's spontaneous, but strict and just fun. Okay, so you've gotten to see education from kind of the whole spectrum to go through. So November is actually virtual school month um, for us. And so tell me a little bit about cyber. Tell me a little bit about your experience there. Why did you choose that? How does that work for you? Because I think, you know, we went through COVID. Everybody thinks they know what virtual school is like. But quite frankly, what we did in a traditional brick and mortar as virtual was not what you're doing. So tell me a little bit about what that's like for you at cyber. Well, my mother and I, we came across Cyber Academy when I was in the third grade. We, it was kind of, we realized the public school couldn't fit the needs that I needed. It wasn't that it didn't, it was wrong. It just didn't fit the needs that were correct in my eyes. So we came across Cyber Academy and it originally was at the very, it was the beginning. But I usually start my day off, I just want to tell you about my routine, I usually start my day off, I have a very flexible morning schedule, and then I go to classes, and the teachers are very hands-on as much as they can be in a virtual environment, because with things like chemistry class, where you're able to go into a lab, we don't get that opportunity. So, but she gives us virtual labs. She gives us class kick assignments that are so similar to what we could have gotten in a traditional environment. And we learn so much, but at a different rate than traditional. So if we struggle in something, we're able to go and ask that question. Or if, like I do, I rush, or not rush, but I improve rapidly. And that's what cyber has given me, that ability to improve at such an academic rate that is not unlike traditional. It just... It leads to an open path. You get to choose your own destiny. Okay. You said something that was really interesting. You know, science to me would be difficult in a virtual environment because, yeah, a lot is hands-on. You mentioned kits. Tell me tell me about what that looks like. What, what is a kit? A kit? Uh, well, Class Kick is... Kick. I'm sorry. Kick. Your uh, kit. Yeah. Yes. Class Kick is a program that we use, and it's like hands-on slides. 
For example, have you ever seen Nearpod? I know a lot of teachers use that. Okay. It's like Nearpod, but more hands-on. You can color, and teachers and students can work together on the assignment. So if it's a group project or a student sees another student struggling where they succeeded, they can pop in and say, hey, this is what I should help you with. They have a little chat box where you can go to and say, hey, I'm kind of struggling with this. And then you can raise your hand for help. The teacher can come in, improve, say, hey, this is where you need to fix or give stickers for improvement. It goes for all the way to K through 12. Okay. So really it's bringing that collaboration. You're not sitting in your room by yourself or your kitchen table. You're actually in that virtual environment interacting with other students and your teacher. Okay. Talk to me about you know, Greenville Tech. I mean, you mentioned you're taking classes there. Um, that's an opportunity that a lot of students have never had. So tell me what that's like for you. Well, luckily we came across a school that even though I was so young, they said that I was able to do this, which was a huge goal that I wished to accomplish, and I got that chance. Greenville Tech opens up mm, kind of a deeper learning for me that high school doesn't give. So, and I like dual enrollment a lot because where high school gives you the learning and how to learn, college gives that knowledge not learning, but that knowledge. And the platform that they use, they are very flexible. Their online environment is extremely flexible. Say, if you're high school, they recognize that and they accept that you have your high school courses to worry about as well. Whereas if you're an adult taking an online environment, they see that you're working and they're just like, hey, can you get this done? And if you need to move something, they allow you to, but they also have a strict regimen to keep everyone in line but in a good way, you just so you retain that knowledge better. So you're taking it virtually? Yes. Okay, they use Blackboard? Yes, they okay. do use Blackboard. It is an older system, but they allow, they have other systems that they use on top of Blackboard that are very useful. For example, they have a writing lab where you can go and submit your paper before you submit it to the teacher, and, they, and whoever professionals go in and cr or critique it, and then comes back to you and then you go and fix it and then hand it to the teacher. So you're not also just trying to get a good grade, you're learning information as you go. Okay, so you're talking about papers. Yes. So what class are you taking? I am taking English 101 okay. and Psychology 201. So both of them? Yes. Okay. Um, having been on the Brazier campus of Greenville Tech for all of my career, my charter career, um, familiar with those classes, great intro classes. You know. Getting started at 13, and now you're 14, happy birthday, by the way. Um, where are you going to go with this? I mean, you're getting a real big head start on um, kind of that college, preparing for that career. Where do you see this taking you in the next five to 10 years? I'm actually seeing myself as going to the education side and the political side, which I value because the Charter Institute has given me a new outlook on learning and the teacher aspect and behind the curtains of how I learn. And I, I absolutely appreciate that. And I think a good way to give back is starting as a teacher. So I'm actually going to dual enroll and learn to be a math teacher. And for a couple of years, I hope to be a math teacher. And then I hope to go into the political side and use my teaching experience, use the experience I'm getting now to change what needs to be changed on the federal side, but in a good way for the better. Okay. So knowing a little bit about you, you are a part of the Erskine Charter Ambassadors. Yes. 
And that's kind of given you a chance to put your feet in both the educational and political environment. Can you can you tell our listeners a little bit about what do you do? What's your role as an ambassador for the Charter Institute at Erskine? As an ambassador, I don't have one set role. I'm allowed to do whichever opportunity comes in mind. And for example, I get to do here and I get to talk, which is another thing that I value as being part of the or the ambassadorship is I get to publicly speak to teachers and I get to have that experience with learning different er, information from different positions and leadership positions, especially the ones listening to this podcast are big inspirations to me as a student going into the teaching aspect of life. And I get to, for example, this past month, I went to the Kids First Conference and I went to our annual, the first, our first ever kids conference, first kid, kids first conference, right. which I, very, very good. I got to see so much more that I never got to see before, learn so much information that I never knew existed. And it was amazing. And the ambassadorship, sorry, just coming back around from no, what I learned. No, that's great. <laughs> the ambassadorship has given me that information and I get to talk to people and I get to show teachers that their students like me that are learning and what they are teaching is going out into this world and doing good things. So I'm hoping to give those teachers inspiration. Okay, so you're seeing it both ways. One, you're trying to impact education as an environment, but you're wanting teachers to see that there is an end to what they're putting in the classroom. And what I hear you say is it might not be just about the content and test scores and things like that. What you're describing is kind of the soft skills that we hear a lot from our business, our career partners um, that students are missing. You, what I hear you say is you're almost, your opportunity to do this is trying to showcase for teachers that those soft skills are able to play out a little bit. So tell me, when, like, tell me a little bit about some experiences you've had as the ambassador. What stands out when you've had a chance to speak or use those skills? Well, into the ambassadorship, it gave me a title. Even though titles aren't as most as amazing as people, I have the experience. I don't have the experience to go with that title, and I get to learn that experience from people who have experienced life, which I haven't. I've gotten to learn those soft skills, and I've gotten to appreciate the smaller hints that teachers have given in the classroom towards those actual soft skills in life. For example. I've had very good teachers. My third grade administrator said, hey, you are smarter than most people believe, and I think I'm gonna set you up on this path where I've gotten to where I am now. And I've had harder teachers who, they weren't bad teachers, but they were strict, and they had a good reasoning behind that. There were teachers who taught me college level AP and MLA formatting, which I did need when going into a college course like English 101. And the harder teachers, they even when they didn't think they were doing well or they weren't teaching the information I needed, they were still giving me skills how to handle situations such as that. Okay. So for the teacher that is maybe tougher than others, what you're saying is if you work hard, there is a bright side. Like you're going to get something as a student out of it. So so don't, don't undervalue that strict. Use um, it to your advantage. Use it to your advantage. That's a great um, example. You know, I... What I hear you say, though, is a lot of this is personalization. Your third grade teacher had a personal conversation with you. Um, other teachers have challenged you to do tougher work, but it, it's motivated you because your relationship. You know, describing your family, it sounds like as a family, you've, you've had 
um, some different relationships in schools. Um, I think in education, sometimes we are guilty of labeling students a lot gifted or special education or whatever that label is. How do you think that impacts a student's performance or maybe their connection or relationship with a teacher to have those labels? What kind of, how do you view that? Well, seeing in my household, there are so many different aspects of learning that my, I've gotten to see. So I'm the gifted side. So I've got to see honors, honors chem, or honors chem students, honors chem teachers all around. And some have a harder expectation on those honors students, but we may not be able to live up to that standard, not because we're not skilled for that job, it's just impossible for the situations that we have. And I feel as though if you are a special education student, which I don't have that experience, but I got to see my sister saying, hey, you can't learn this information or it may seem impossible, so we're gonna set you on a different path. My sister struggles with reading, but it's not impossible to her. It just struggles. So instead of trying to throw her off that path, try to adjust it to her. And I think if teachers were able to adjust and learn their own students, and I, I'm not saying that they're bad for not learning their students. I know they may have 400, 500 students in their class, but not labeling it and giving that that expectation, having that on their back saying, okay, I have to be this way, or I can't be myself because, or I can't go ask questions because I'm an honor student. Or if I ask too many questions, it may seem like I'm struggling, but I'm not struggling. I'm just struggling with that information itself. Just having those thoughts go through your head as a teenager, as a student, you just have expectations. And if teachers were able to acknowledge that and remember and try to connect with their students, I feel as though, one, they're going to get the information that they're trying to teach across correctly. And two, they're going to learn those soft skills to go into the out in the world and succeed. Okay. So sometimes you hear things like, you're a gifted student or you're a challenged student or whatever the label is, you should be able to do this work or I'm assigning all this work because of that. And what, what I hear you saying is just because you're gifted in one area may not mean that everything comes easy to you. So as a, as a student, you appreciate the teacher that slows down and looks at what you're successful in and lets you move fast but might be able to slow it down on things that you struggle with is what I'm hearing. Yes, I like having my honors my honors come teacher. I'm going to refer back to her because she's okay. a very good teacher that I like that I have now. She allows me to move at a fast rate where I'm good. She's like, okay, if you're good and you understand this information, go fast. I challenge you to do more. Do what you can. But if I'm struggling, she takes that time, almost up to two hours of a lunch break, and helps me or any other student. I've seen her help other students when I'm in there. And it's just, I appreciate that in a student, or in a teacher. I also wanna go back to my seventh grade teacher. He challenged me because he knew what I could handle. He took that time to learn me as a student in a way, and I ended up getting a very high grade in his class because of what he did for me. He challenged me, he said, you know this information, and I know you know this information, but he did it in a way not putting expectations on my back, but saying, I want you to grow, just giving that opportunity to see or succeed. That, that's great, that's great. I love two different teachers, two different approaches, but both of them got the best out of you. So there's not a, there's not a magic recipe. So, <laughs> You know, Ainsley, you're pushing yourself to do all these things. I know you're, you know, ambassador's work and some social um, volunteer work you're doing. How, 
how do you how do you manage all that? Like like how do you balance all of that as a student? Well, I say two major things, time management and a good support system. Okay. My family, I have part of my family where at times they're pushing me to do things, not in a bad way, just in a way saying, I know you can do this. You've shown me this. You don't need to lay off of yourself because of something bad. We're going to raise you up. We're going to offer you these opportunities. We're going to shift our schedules around so you can do what you like. And they do this for all of my siblings and myself. And we are just one giant, we are a giant family. We work around for one another's schedules. And the time management, I, if you place the, I do things that I love. And sometimes I do get carried away and add too much, <laughs> but I do things that I love. Right. So I think that's a major thing in how I balance everything is because I do what I love. So my way of having fun may be doing a service project or my fun may be sitting down to read a book for English class. I just find the fun things in all of my activities that I do and I kind of focus on those more and that's how I get my teenager aspect. Like clubs, I get to talk to all varieties of different students and have different friends. But at the same time, I get to learn information at school and I just, I kind of, instead of separating my social life and my school life, which I do because there has to be a separation, I kind of take, not having one, but I take what I can out of my school life and I apply that to the real world. I just say, hey, I can do this. Why would I need to go and separate? Okay. Clubs. I work with a local high school and a local brick and mortar high school and I do my robotics and I've gotten to experience what they view in a school life. Oh, that's great. Yes, it is very interesting just to see all different aspects of life. So so you're busy, yes. but you're not just trying to build a resume or check a bunch of boxes or do things just because you're finding things that appeal to you, that really bring out the best in you. So you don't see it as being busy, you see it as following things that are your passion that you love to do, not just because long term they may play out a certain way. So so that leads me to a next to, to my next question is what do you do for fun? I mean we've talked all about school and college and all this stuff, but what does Ainsley do for fun? I do for fun. I like to read. I mean I know that's usually like, huh, you read? Yes, I do like to read. I like to delve into the fantasy side of things or the sci-fi or the mystery and learn different things. It's like watching a TV show. And that's another thing I do. I go and I watch TV shows. I read books. I like to, I may sound old here, but I like to collect different teas. Different teas? Different teas. As in drinking tea? Yes, drinking tea. Wow, how did you get into that? So I don't, I don't know how it started. I guess... One of my family members just like introduced me to like hot teas and I was like, oh, this is amazing. And then I started getting one tea and I was like, this is really nice. So I started collecting the cans and tasting it and mm. learning what I like. So I have like an Edgar Allan Poe tea or I have a really cool design tea. Like I don't like it, but I like how it looks. Okay. <laughs> so it's not just about the tea, it's about the can that it comes in or the, the That's container. That's also, yes. And then I have different social media apps where I'm just like, Hey, what you doing? Do you want to talk? Do you want to hang out? What do you, what would you like to do? I go on. I I'm a normal teenager. It's just, well, a typical teenager. I'm not everybody's like normal. I'm not always on my phone. 
but when I do, I am talking to my friends. I'm having conversations. I'm creating characters with my y'all club group. Um, I kind of like create my own character or I start writing or I share my poetry. I take pictures. I do all these different things and I talk with them and we just like encourage one another. I surround myself with people who encourage me and build me up. Right. Well, it sounds like you like to create and produce and all that. Let me ask you one last question. We um, have a lot of leaders that listen to this, predominantly education leaders. But what advice do you have for education leaders or maybe even um, a business leader that has younger employees coming through? How, what's your advice? Like, how do you motivate and connect with the teens and young adults of today? What would be your advice? One major thing is I'd like to say is remember. Remember what it was like for you. Like if you see issues in how different students are learning and you see them struggling or you see a label and they're not fitting that label, view them as opportunities to get to know your student better and teach them more. Teach them and showing that maybe you're just teaching them about math or saying X plus Y, whatever. You're still kind of learn kind of teaching them those soft skills saying, "Hey, if I reached out to my teacher, I can reach out to them whenever. So I can reach out to somebody and say, I do need help. Like, I'm struggling with this work project. Can a coworker come and help me? It's kind of teaching those cognitive skills. Okay. But just do remember what it was like. Do remember a different student. Or try to connect them to yourself because you're also still growing as a teacher, as an adult. Excuse me. As an adult, you're still learning and you're still growing just as they are. So view them as learning opportunities to grow together and learn more. So you're learning more how to say, hey, if I see another student like this, I know how I can do this. And then they're like, oh, so if I do this, I'm okay with doing that. And it's just learning those soft skills together, learning one another. It's just overall, it'll be a long-term effect that as well. That's awesome. You know, that's one thing we've talked about off and on with the podcast is about relationships and with your, your people that work for you or your students is really trying to identify with those people and be authentic and um, be in the moment and all those things. So I truly appreciate the time together. I've learned a lot about you and I hope that our listeners have learned about not just you, but how they can apply what you've shared with um, their students or the team that they lead. So I um, want to thank you for that time and happy birthday again. <laughs> thank you. And so, thank you for allowing me to come on here and talk to these different leaders because I feel as though a leadership position should be about the teamwork. You shouldn't say take on all the responsibility. You should spread it around with one another. And I think that's that's why I love this podcast. Your leaders in the school environment helping other leaders, which is just to lead a successful business, successful schooling, everything. Couldn't have wrapped it up any better myself. Thanks for joining us in this episode of the Institute Leaders Lifeline and joining us on this collective journey of leadership. Take care of yourself and your students and the team that you work with. Have a great day. Be sure to follow the Institute on all of our social media platforms, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. At Erskine Charters, we'll have all of these resources, including this podcast, many stories of our schools, and other things. So check us out. The opinions expressed within the content are solely the authors and do not reflect the opinions and beliefs of the Charter Institute at Erskine or its affiliates.